एपिसोड नाइन फिफ्टी सेवन ईयर ओल्ड वीमेन रिसीविंग अ कीमोथेरेपी फॉर स्टेज फोर हॉस्किन्स लिम्फोमा हैज सीवियर नॉज एंड वॉमिटिंग इन जनरल मलेस हर लास्ट पावल मोमेंट वॉज यस्टरडे शी हैज़ हैड क्रेम्पी एबडामिनल पेन ऑन एंड ऑफ सिंस वॉमिटिंग बिगिनस द पेशेंट सेकेंड साइकिल ऑफ कीमोथेरेपी एंड डेट थ्री डेज अगो हर टेम्परेचर इज नाइन्टी Respiration is 18. Pulse oximetry reading is 55 percent of the room air. BMI is 18. Physical examination showed dry mucous membrane and enlarging cervical lymphadenopathies. Lymph nodes. The chest is clear to auscultate. Epigastric tenderness is present of the abdominal palpation, but there is no re- regarding or rebound. So yeah, and laboratory uh, shows hemoglobin is 9.5. Per platelet is uh, 98,000. That is, it is reduced. Also, hemoglobin is reduced. Leukocyte is Five thousand five hundred thirty percent of the neutrophils are only there. That means neutrophils are also reduced. And liver function test: total bilirubin is one point two milligram per deciliter. Alkaline phosphate is ninety eight, and aspartate amino transferase is fifty four. That means alkaline phosphate and SGPT, that is alanine amino transferase, is twenty three. Aspartate is fifty four, alanine is twenty three. Lipid level is ninety, which is within the normal limit. Intravenous fluid are started. Which of the following is the next best best management in the, of these patients? Okay, so what are we supposed to do next? Okay, so this patient's laboratory values are relatively unremarkable, aside from the mild anemia and thrombocytopenia. Okay, there is mild anemia and mild thrombocytopenia. Two common findings in this patients with lymphoproliferative disorders on chemotherapy. Okay, these are the two common findings when a patient has a lymphoproliferative disorders and has been treated with chemotherapy. He might have a mild anemia and thrombocytopenia. Her symptoms of vomiting and malaise are likely the side effect of the chemotherapy. In the setting of the normal lipase level and abdominal examinations without rebound and guarding and a bowel movement yesterday, other diagnoses such as pancreatitis, perforations, and bowel obstruction are less likely. The presence of the dry mucous membrane suggests mild volume depletions due to vomiting. Therefore, intravenous fluid is administered, at which is the first step of the management in these patients, and the frequent step. uh the next step which we should use is uh would be the treat- if treating the patient's nausea and vomiting so whenever a patient with chemotherapy induced vomiting is coming or nausea is coming to us then we are treating it with the ondansetron which is a 5 ht3 antagonist that means serotonin receptor antagonist serotonin receptor antagonist ondansetron that targets the 5 ht3 receptors are considered the first line treatment for the chemotherapy induced nausea they have low side effect profiles and are highly efficacious these medications can be used to manage the acute mss but also used as a prophylaxis and sometimes in combination with corticosteroids now the primary anticholinergic agent used to treat the vomiting is scopolamine but this is usually given in the form of a patch to help reduce the motion sickness it will not be given in case of chemotherapy so if there is anticholinergic agent that is scopolamine which is used for motion sickness not for chemotherapy the patient on chemotherapy especially in the setting of the lymphoproliferative disorder are at high risk of infections however since the patient is safe if abrile one must not use the broad spectrum antibiotics okay next is dopamine antagonists such as the metoclopramide and chlor prochlorpyrazines are useful second and third line agent for refractory vomiting however in the setting of the recent chemotherapy 5h3 analog is the antagonist is the better option okay if someone says that there is refractory vomiting you have given all the medications but since after that too 
then you have to give the dopamine antagonists. Motilin receptors promote uh, gastrointestinal motility. Erythromycin is primarily used as an antibiotic, but it also functions as a motilin receptors antagonist and is useful in the treatment of uh, second uh, nausea secondary to gastroparesis. But this patient is not having gastroparesis, so one must not use the erythromycin, that is a motilin receptors antagonist. Next, agonist. Next is gastrointestinal specific uh, opioid antagonists such as uh, methylnaltrexone can be used in patients to reverse the opioid induced constipation but this time we don't use it. Okay. Next question is a 62 year old women or I should say 62 year old men because this question is basically based on that only. Uh, comes to the phys uh, physicians because of the urinary frequency his medications includes hypertension and uh, Hypertension medications that is cytochlorothiazide. His father had prostate cancers. A hard prostate nodules is palp palpated on the rectal examinations. The prostate biopsy reveals adenocarcinoma and the patient has undergone radical prostatectomy. Post-surgical specimen shows the cancer extending beyond the capsules and the clean surgical margins. Gleason score is 8 that is 4 plus 4. Post-surgery Prostatic, prostate specific antigen PSA levels is undetectable. The patient comes to the physicians for follow-up examinations three months later. He has no constipation. His PSA level is elevated at 9 nanogram per ml and he undergoes local external beam radiation therapy. The radiation therapy in this patient is most likely or most appropriately characterized by which of the following. Do we call this radiation therapy a adjuvant therapy, a consolidation therapy, induction therapy, a maintenance therapy, a new adjuvant therapy or salvage therapy? So, he has undergone a local external beam radiation therapy. Okay. And this is given after that uh, surgery, so it's not new adjuvant. So, yeah, simply, this uh, patient's uh, presentation with PSA recurrence, of advanced prostate cancer he initially had local disease which was treated with radical prostatectomy with good results and undetectable post-operative PSA however he has now has prostate specific antigen recurrence without any symptoms because he failed the initial therapy for prostate cancers he undergone local external beam radiation therapy to kill the residual tumor cells the radiation therapy is considered salvage therapy remember that Salvage therapy defined as a form of treatment for a disease when a standard treatment fails. Whenever a standard treatment fails, then what type of therapy we are using simply to overcome that failure is the salvage therapy. For men with prostate specific antigen recurrence after post radical uh, after radical prostatectomy, salvage radiation therapy can provide long term disease control for local recurrent diseases. Okay. Now let's talk about adjuvant therapy. What do you mean by adjuvant therapy? Adjuvant therapy is defined as a treatment given in addition to a standard therapy. If someone is giving the therapy and after that uh, with, the, with the standard therapy, someone is adding something, then that is known as adjuvant therapy. This would be the case in this patient if the radiation therapy was given at the same time when the radical prostatectomy was done okay so you have to read the question carefully so that you identify when was the radiation therapy given like in this questions it was given three weeks later so that's the case now consolidation therapy is a typical given typically given after induction therapy with multiple drug regimes to further reduce the tumor burden so when we give the consolidation therapy after giving an induction therapy with multiple drug regimes okay 
for example multi drug therapy after induction therapy for acute leukemia okay we have given the acute leukemia initial induction therapy and after that we are giving some other multi drugs so that is known as the consolidation therapy what do you mean by induction therapy is the initial treatment to treat the rapidly kill uh, to rapidly kill the tumor cells okay and also send the patient into remission less than 5% of the tumor burden a typical example is induction chemotherapy for leukemia okay what is the maintenance therapies usually given after induction and consolidation therapies or the initial standard therapies these two are the initial standard therapy and if after that we are giving any therapy to kill any residual tumor cells and keep the patient in remission for example and daily anti androgen therapy for prostate cancer daily we are giving anti androgen therapies that is the maintenance therapy new adjuvant therapy is defined as a treatment before the standard therapy for a particular disease okay given before the standard therapy for a particular disease this would be uh, the case if the patient has been given the radiation therapy before doing the radical prostatectomy okay so yeah the answer for this question was salvage therapy moving on to the next question a 62 year old man comes to the office due to several months of fatigue the patient has no chest pain vomiting diarrhea weight loss nothing was there back pain was not also there the patient of uh, review of the system is significant for occasional leg cramps so he has one month fatigue occasional leg cramps he takes lisinopril for hypertension and atorvastatin for hyperlipidemia he is taking statins okay next is the patient has no longer uh, smokes cigarette earlier he used to smoke cigarette but uh, 30 year pack history is there but now he don't smoke he does not consume alcohol blood pressure is 132 by 80 pulses 95 conjunctiva is pale okay there is anemia too and the cardiopulmonary auscultations reveals clear lung and uh, a soft 2 by 6 ejection murmur at the right upper sternal border okay right upper sternal border abdominal abdomen is soft and non tender without palpable mass there is no skin rash or peripheral edema the laboratory results are as follows hemoglobin concentration is 7.7 mean corpuscular volume is 72 that is it is low there is a microcytic hypochromic anemia platelet is 180000 it's okay leukocyte is 8200 and uh, serum uh, chemistry so blood urea nitrogen is 12 and uh, creatinine is 0.8 and blood plasma and serum ferritin level is 7 nanograms so let's just check out what's the normal ferritin level and if you want to low if you want to learn the normal values i have make an audio you can go to lecture it was i think 3 and 4 so you can go to episode 3 and 4 and you can learn the normal values from there yeah so serum ferritin level normally in male is 15 to 200 but this time it's 7 only so that means iron is low which of the following is the best appropriate next step for the management of this patient so we have to see which would be the best step of management okay okay so the answer to this question is we have to do the endoscopic evaluation this patient has clinical findings such as fatigue pallor ejection murmur which is consistent and also consistent with anemias the laboratory evidence shows low mean corpuscular volume and low ferritin level so this is consistent with iron deficiency anemias all right so clinical finding there was a fatigue pallor and ejection murmur which is consistent with anemia and since there is a low corpuscular volume and ferritin so that means it is iron deficiency iron is derived from a dietary source that is animal meat and is mostly absorbed in the duodenum body iron is distributed to the red blood cells via hemoglobin and iron containing products such as myoglobins and also ferritin hemosiderin in the reticular system reticular endothelial system 
in developed countries iron deficiency anemia is rare from dietary or absorption inadequacies in most cases due to overt or occult blood loss there it iron deficiency anemia can be there okay history of physical examinations can often identify an overt source of bleeding for example menorrhagia can be there otherwise ref, referral to an gastroenterologist for endoscopic evaluation must be done okay to rule out the colonoscopy and also the gastro uh, esophageo gastro duodenoscopy okay so that can also be done it's useful and is required if particularly if the patient is more than 50 years old so this time the patient was 62 year old man and he was having a iron deficiency anemia so you have to think about that this patient might have a colon colon cancer or the cancer of any gi tract which is leading to occult bleeding and you have to rule out that okay so for that you do the endoscopic evaluation as the patient have gastritis telangiectasias and malignancies this is colon cancers so for ruling out these conditions now Although the bone marrow biopsy is considered the gold standard for assessing the iron stores, less invasive testing, example ferritin, has largely supplanted the diagnostic modality. Okay, the bone marrow biopsy is used primarily to evaluate the hematologic malignancies, example myelodysplastic syndrome and also the stem cell abnormalities such as the aplastic anemias. It is not used for evaluating the colon cancers or the iron deficiencies and years. Next is the atovastatin causes the hepatotoxicity and myopathies, but it is not associated with the iron deficiency anemia, so we won't do we won't ask the patient to stop the atovastatin. C-reactive protein is usually elevated in infection and inflammatory conditions. The patient with these illness often have anemia of chronic disease due to poor iron utilization and impaired erythrocytosis. Anemia of chronic disease is usually associated with normal or high ferritin levels. Erythropoietin stimulation, erythrocytosis, low levels of the erythropoietin can be seen in many chronic uh, diseases such as renal insufficiency. Erythropoietin is not often measured and conditions that result in low erythropoietins are usually associated with anemia of chronic diseases, normal or high ferritin levels. Monoclonal light chains can be elevated in the plasma cell disorders such as multiple myeloma although the anemia is common and is usually normocytic and normal. It's chromic. It's not microcytic. Okay. Now the next question is a 56 year old man is being, is being evaluated for fatigability. His past medical history has severe aortic stenosis and uh, that for which he has taken a aortic wall replacement. He also has diabetes mellitus and osteoarthritis. Peripheral blood smear is shown in the slide. So you see various types of cells. There are disrupted cells also. There are helmet cells, cystocytes too. Okay. Which of the following laboratory finding is most likely to be seen in this patient? So what you will see, increase total iron serum or uh, decrease serum haptoglobin, le haptoglobin level. Yeah, this can be there. Decrease mean corpuscular volume, decrease reticulocyte or decrease serum albumin. So according to me, the answer should be decrease serum haptoglobin level. Okay, and that's true. The fragmented erythrocyte shown on the slide called as cystocytes or helmet cells. Okay. They are formed during the mechanical destructions of the erythrocyte in the vasculature. In this patient, the destruction of the erythrocyte is mostly caused by his aortic wall prosthetics. Artificial or mechanical wall are more traumatic for RBCs than porcine prosthesis and frequently causes hemolysis. Cystocytes may also appear if erythrocyte destructions occurs due to narrowing of the vascular spaces or disseminated thrombosis. Yeah. Next is hemolytic anemia due to intravascular uh, erythrocytes. Trauma result in the laboratory findings similar to other hemolytic anemia such as increased 
or increase in the serum indirect bilirubin or urinary uh, urobilinogen and intravascular erythrocyte destructions result in free hemoglobin in the serum that is hemoglobinuria or hemoglobinemia all this thing in the urine and the serum respectively as well as increased serum lactate dehydrogenase level haptoglobin level is a serum protein that binds to the hemoglobin free hemoglobins and promotes its excretion in the reticular endothelial system in intravascular hemolysis the amount of the haptoglobin is in the serum exceeds the binding capacity of the hemoglobin thereby decreasing the haptoglobin levels this was simply the answer for this questions Moving on to the next question, a 27-year-old woman, Gravida 1, Para 0, at 9 weeks of gestation, comes to the clinic for an initial prenatal visit. The patient has mild nausea but is otherwise feeling well. She recently completed law school and is studying for the bar exams. The patient has no medical conditions and has had no surgeries. Her mother and her sister have anemia. The patient eats fish but otherwise usually follows a vegetarian diet. Prior to, this prior to this pregnancy, menses occurs monthly with, with 5 to 6 days of bleeding that was heaviest the first 2 days. She does not use tobacco, alcohol or illicit any drug. Temperature is 36.7 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 110 by 80. Pulse is 76 and respiration is 16. Physical examination show no abnormalities. Laboratory results are as follows. Hemoglobin is 9, mean corpuscular volume 75, leukocyte 7000, platelet 3 lakh, ferritin 130, iron 90, iron binding capacity is 110, which normally is 300, sorry, iron binding capacity is 310, which normally is 300 to 360, so it's normal. Transvaginal ultrasonography shows 9-week intrauterine gestations with normal cardiac activity, which of the following is the best next step in management of this patient. Okay, so this patient with microcytic anemia, mean corpuscular volume less than 80, in the setting of normal iron studies is likely due to hemoglobinopathies, which causes anemia either through abnormal globin production, that is alpha and beta thalassemia, or abnormal hemoglobin structure, that is hemoglobin S, hemoglobin C, hemoglobin E. These traits are inherited in autosomal recessive manner, therefore, preconceptions and prenatal screening are performed to identify those patients who are at high risk of having an affected offspring. The patient with anemia require additional testing to determine the etiology and potential impact on the patient and the features. Hemoglobin electrophoresis cell distinguished between the alpha and the beta thalassemia sickle cell hemoglobin C hemoglobin E carriers. If the patient is identified as a hemoglobinopathy carrier, the father should be screened if both parents are carriers, the genetic counseling and hematology and reproductive counsels are performed to discuss the risk of an affected fetus. Hydros fetalis due to alpha thalassemia major must be discussed. Okay. And pre-implantations and prenatal fetal diagnosis are available. Chronic villi sampling can be done and also amniocentesis can be used for diagnosing the pre-tal, uh, fetal, uh, prenatal fetal analysis. Okay. Although new non-invasive techniques are also there like we use fetal cell free fetal cell free DNA we can also use for analyzing the fetus. Okay. Yeah. Next is the pregnant patient would require increased folate or red blood cell expansions and prevention of the for fear prevention of the fetal neurotic defect but only when mcv was more than 100 but this time it's not there lead toxicity can cause anemia by inhibiting the heme synthesis in biosynthesis with an elevated risk in pregnancy as the fetus is more vulnerable to the lead adverse effect microcytic anemias is commonly seen and uh, however iron and total iron binding capacities 
are typically low even with lead poisoning so you should note that okay and there may be a history such as exposure to lead paint or battery manufacturing or the it should be a case of a child not a pregnant woman because child can have a lead pills okay and hypothyroidism typically causes the anemia by decreasing the red blood cell mass with but it causes anemia which is normocytic normochromic so the mean corpuscular volume should lie between 80 to 100 and it is associated with pernicious anemia that is macrocytic if if associated with pernicious anemia then macrocytic okay tsh screening is required uh if uh, only before the pregnancy specifically only before the pregnancy to rule out the hypothyroidism b12 deficiency as i already told you you'll see that uh, there is a mean corpuscular volume is more than 80 but it, in this case it was not there so moving on to the next question a 25 year old african american women comes to the office after experiencing increasing heavy menstrual cycles for three months the patient has noticed her gums frequently bleeding when she brushes the teeth review of the systems is positive for ongoing pain and stiffness in her hand and wrist that is partially responsive to ibuprofen she does not take any medications and has no known medical conditions the patient is a febrile blood pressure is 14 149 by 979 pulse is 87 a non-painful oral ulcer is present multiple petechia present on the upper arms and shin the wrist and the hands are tender to palpate and demonstrate reduced range of motions laboratory result are hemoglobin is 10.8 platelet is 40000 leukocyte is 2500 that is it's less platelet is also less hemoglobin is also less serum creatinine is 1.7 which of the following is the most likely cause of the thrombocytopenia in this patient okay so what is the cause of the thrombocytopenia in this patient so we have to rule out that okay so this patient presentation such as joint pain oral ulcer hypertension pancytopenia impaired renal functions are suggesting possibility of systemic lupus erythromatosis or systemic autoimmune disorders or severe thrombocytopenia that is less than 50,000 manifestations with commonly associated features such as bleeding gum and heavy menstrual cycles is likely due to sle in united states sle occurs most commonly in african americans and hispanic and asian women's hematologic abnormalities occurs in overall half of the patient of sle and including which includes anemia resulting in immune destruction resulting from immune destructions also from coexisting renal disorders and also the chronic inflammations next is the leukopenias that is neutropenias often immune mediated and correlated with the disease activity thrombocytopenias most commonly due to immune thrombocytopenia purpura okay the presence of autoantibodies in is a primary mechanisms underlining the most common cytopenias in sle Thrombocytopenias is most often caused by antiplatelet antibodies which triggers the increased destruction of the platelet via the immunoglobulin binding in the peripheral blood vessels and subsequently macrophage and phagocytosis. Less commonly thrombocytopenia can occur in SLE associated hypercoagulable state in which platelets are consumed within the thrombi and thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura associated with schistocytes and disseminated intervascular coagulation which can occur in antiphospholipid antibody syndrome okay so yeah hematologic mani uh, manifestations of sle let's talk about that so anemia common mechanism is anemia of chronic disease sle nephritis iron deficiency anemia because of gastrointestinal losses and also hemolytic anemias immune hemolytic anemias 
uncommon mechanisms are medications and also the microangiopathic hemolytic anemias and aplastic anemias. Next is the leukopenias. So leukopenias occurs in SLE. Common mechanism is immune mediated destruction and uncommon mechanism is medications and bone marrow dysfunctions. The common mechanism of thrombocytopenia is immune mediated destruction and uncommon mechanism is medications and increase in the TTP that is increased consumption. Okay. So yeah, this was all about that. Uh, there are few random points that is although the splenic sequestration of the immunoglobulin bonded platelets may occur downstream the primary initiating mechanism for the platelet destruction in sle in the peripheral blood vessels via the abnormal formation of the immune complex in the contrast the aberrant splenic sequestrations occurs in conditions that increases the portal pressures and splenic congestions as in case of liver disease, hepatic vein thrombosis and sickle cell anemias. Typically, the thrombocytopenia associated with these conditions is mild. Okay. The malignant invasion of the bone marrow seen in leukemias and lymphomas may cause pancytopenia. Similarly, pancytopenia can be caused by ineffective hematopoiesis resulting from the primary bone marrow disorders such as myelodysplastic syndrome and aplastic anemias. However, these conditions are unlikely in, to explain the cause of this patient's new kidney disease, hypertension, non-painful ulcers. Okay. And dilution of thrombocytopenia can occur when there is massive blood transfusion and packed cells RBCs are given or large intravenous fluid resuscitation is done. Okay. But this was not the case. So yeah, this is it for this lecture. Thank you for listening.